I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash clay and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, puretalk.com slash clay to switch to my cell phone company. Pure Talk. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Yes, America's anchorman is away. You know why that is. He told you all about it uh, yesterday. And uh, he hopes to be back uh, Thursday. Hopes to be back Thursday. But don't uh, yell at the rest of us uh, if he's not. uh, Rush is uh, maintaining what would be an impressive uh, schedule, even if he didn't have uh, health issues, and the fact that he's uh, keeping this show going, even as, uh, as you know, a few weeks ago, he was actually getting treatments midway through the show. Uh, I think it was in the one o'clock or two o'clock news bulletin. Then he'd come back and do the rest of the show. He's devoted to to this show. It's what he loves to do. Uh, but uh, once every so often, the uh, doctors and nurses uh, command his attention, and so he isn't here. And that's what's happening today. And he's as frustrated as anybody because he's got a bazillion things to say on what's happening in the news. We're going to try and keep things going. one eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two 282 is the number to call. I always like to hear from lefties. Love to hear from you. I'll tell you who I'd like to hear from today. The fella over at uh, Democrat headquarters who tweeted out uh, just before midnight uh, a Democrat tweet calling the uh, Trump proposed 4th of July Beano at Mount Rushmore a white supremacy event uh, that was disrespecting uh, native communities because Mount Rushmore is sacred to tribal communities. Uh, so they, they, they've basically gone full Black Lives Matter. They're with the people who ah, enough. we're bored with Jefferson Davis and uh, Robert E. Lee. No one's heard of them in years. Let's just tear down Washington, Jefferson. It's uh, America's grand Fourth of July clearance sale. Everything must go. We've got to get rid of them all. We've got to get rid of uh, Andrew Jackson, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, Francis Scott Key. We've got to get rid of the whole lot. Let's kaboom. Let's finally do something 
uh, to make it a f- glorious fourth to remember and do that. And we shouldn't even have a glorious fourth. Uh, we should be celebrating the glorious fourth on Juneteenth. That's the only, the, 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 what would that be? The glorious 19th? Uh, that's what we should be doing. So this Democrat puts out this tweet uh, targeting an event at Mount Rushmore as white supremacy. And somewhere in the early hours of the morning, uh, someone at Democrat HQ, uh, one of the uh, cleverer fellas who figures it isn't quite, we're not quite ready to go full bore, blow up Mount Rushmore now. Uh, but they thought, so they thought enough of it to take down that tweet. But that's basically, that's basically the choice now this November. Uh, you got a party that doesn't want anything. Uh, it, it's it, it, it's instincts, Wh- whichever little snowflake who actually tweety tweeted that out. And as I said, if you're one of the fellas who uh, were on board with that, give me a call 800-282-2882 because I'd love to hear the thinking behind that. Uh, the Democrats aren't quite ready. They're not ready to actually defend the mob tearing down Washington, Lincoln, uh, Jefferson, all the rest of it, the abolitionists, the women's uh, suffrage movement gals, as in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so they took down this. They took down this tweet. But that's basically where the Democrats' heart is at. The whole thing, uh, as we approach July the fourth, their whole their thinking is increasingly closer to the black. The Black Lives Matter thing is July the fourth. 1776 was the greatest tragedy in human history. As Tim Kaine said, it was uh, it was Americans in Virginia who invented slavery. Nobody around the world had heard of slavery, says Tim Kaine, until the Virginians decided to invent this thing. So July, we all know, July the 4th, 1776, ghastly mistake. The Democrats basically... Uh, went as close to that as you can get at about 11.30 p.m. on their Twitter feed last night and then reined it in because uh, apparently in some swing districts in Iowa and Ohio, uh, it, it wasn't focus grouping so well. But that's basically the choice you've got. You've, you've got this November. You've, you've got a choice between Democrats who basically want to blow up everything, uh, starting with the Declaration of Independence, and then you got Republicans who are prepared to meet them halfway on it. And that's the choice you got in November. So we just got to drag a useless, do-nothing, and largely silent Republican Party across the finish line this November. It's fascinating to me. Everything now from the Civil War era has got to be pulled down except two things, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. And actually, uh, I'd far rather leave up the statues of Confederate generals and destroy the racist institution uh, that supported them, which is was the most powerful racist institution on the planet, the Democrat Party. It's the only one who survived. People talk about the National Party in South Africa, who all pro-apartheid uh, until F.W. de Klerk did his deal with Nelson Mandela. And uh, the uh, National Party in South Africa was so ashamed, they changed their name, I think, to the new National Party and then to something else. Uh, but basically, the National Party, when they started implementing apartheid in 1950, got all their ideas on segregation from the Democrat Party in America, which had been doing it for a century. Most and, and it's so bizarre to me. We have to get rid of everybody who's got any kind of association with slavery, and nobody's got more association with slavery and racism 
than the Democrat Party. So we're going to destroy everything from the Civil War era except the same useless frozen two-party system uh, this this country is afflicted by. 1-800-282-2882. Everybody loves, I, I love this, uh, Mr. and Mrs. McCluskey in... Uh, in uh, St. Louis, uh, and uh, they were the uh, two guys. They had the the mob came through the gates of their private community. Uh, they're they're in one of their million dollar mansions. They've devoted their they've lived there for I think it's twenty eight years or something. They've rebuilt it. They've restored it uh, to its glory. And the mob comes. The mob shows up and refuses to leave. And we're told that these were mostly peaceful protesters. They're mostly peaceful. That's okay. Mostly peaceful. So most of them aren't actually going to destroy your property and burn it to the ground. Most of them will just be standing around watching as the seven or eight uh, non-peaceful protesters torch the place and uh, raise it to the ground. And what's fantastic about Mr. and Mrs. McCluskey, I think it's Mark and Patricia. Is that their names? Mark and Patricia McCluskey is uh, as their way, one's got an AR-15 and the other had um, a, uh, a pistol. Uh, and as they're waving them around, it's obvious that they've got no idea how to how to hold this stuff the way they're. At one point, he's actually breezily chit-chatting to the mob and uh, the AR-15 sways and points towards his missus's belly, which uh, which I don't think he intended to uh, to, to shoot or anything. But that's what makes it even better. They're not Second Amendment types. They're not gun rights types. Uh, as far as I can tell from the, their lawyer's statement, they're pretty they're pretty leftish on a lot of things. They support Black Lives Matter. And then they look on the TV every, every night and they realize that when the mob comes for your place, you got nothing. You call 911 as they did and no one's there for you. This is what happens when you talk about defunding the police. You, you want a preview of what that world's like? It's like Mr. and Mrs. McCluskey. Sometime, maybe a week beforehand, a month beforehand, but sometime back when all the weirdness got started, maybe with the looting, maybe with the COVID, they thought, well, things are going to get pretty weird around here, and they went to the gun store. And th- there's lines around the block at every gun store in America now, and it's not Second Amendment types, they've already got their guns and they've got their ammo. These are people like the McCluskeys who never given a thought to a gun until the powder keg went up and they realized there, there ain't no 911 anymore. There ain't no police department. You're on your own. And that's what makes them actually the perfect poster couple for what's happening in America now. They're Black Lives Matter supporters whose support doesn't extend to sitting there and letting the mob burn down the home into which they have sunk uh, the fruits of their labors for the last couple of decades. And God bless them. God bless them uh, for that. They're, they're very, this, is, this is what the world without police, without order looks like. It's going to be a world where people who, who don't know how to hold a gun are going to be firing guns. It would have been very interesting to see if Mr. McCluskey or Mrs. McCluskey had actually placed a shot, actually uh, fired anything, because who knows? You know, they might hit the trash can uh, and the bullet ricochets back and takes out the fresh wind- French window. They might hit a chipmunk. Uh, they might actually hit one of the, the protesters. We don't know. But that's the way it's going to be, uh, because uh, the support of Black Lives Matter, it's the same thing with the mayor in Seattle. 
the mayor in Seattle who has given her support to the People's Republic of Chop. The People's Republic of Chop, another guy died there last night. 16 years old, uh, a, a, a 15-year-old is in critical condition. They're both black. So actually more black people, or if you include the Atlanta one, if you include uh, George Brown uh, in Minneapolis, George Floyd in Minneapolis, and then uh, uh, the other fella in Atlanta, as many blacks have died at the hands of the people's utopia of CHOP uh, as at the hands of uh, wicked American police in the last month. Chop is actually killing them now at a slightly faster rate uh, than American police are. And the mayor of Seattle supported this utopia that kills black adolescents. Nobody knows the name of this 16-year-old black kid because black lives don't matter in Chop. Black lives are cheap in Chop. Uh, that's, that's life is becoming cheap in Chop. But they went round to her house and she's furious about it. Likewise, Minneapolis, the guys who voted to defund the police, they've now all got private security. This is the future of America. It's like Latin America. You're on your own. You, you don't know how to hold a gun. You don't know uh, how to point it the right way, but you've got to buy one because there ain't anything else out there. Mark signing for Rush, 1-800-282-2882. We'll take all your calls on America's number one radio show. Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. Boy, we have uh, we have the grooviest bumper music on this show. I I think I'm getting into the whole cultural appropriation mood here, just grooving around the studio. Gotta love that. Uh, the other big story at the moment, and this is uh, this is terrific. This 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 uh, Russia is back. Russia is back. A new wrinkle on the whole Russia, Russia, Russia thing. From the previous three years, uh, it now uh, turns, turns out, uh, according to what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and co are saying, uh, that uh, the Russians have been putting bounties on the heads of uh, coalition soldiers in Afghanistan. Uh, Rush had a very emphatic take on this yesterday. Here it no, is. No, 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 folks. It's fake news. This this entire Taliban bounty paying, Trump ignoring it, not knowing about it. He's a traitor. He's being black. It's fake news. It's all made up. It's got everything the Democrats need to continue their coup. It's got the Taliban. It's got Russia. It's It's got... Uh, it's got the UK involved, which is heavily involved in the in the effort to get rid of Trump. Their intelligence communities were. It's got the New York Times involved. It's got CNN involved. Those are the two places the primary leaks in that story, the Russian meddling story, went. The UK also deeply involved in the Russian hoax to get rid of Trump. And here's the here's the story from CNN. In case you somehow have missed this, Russian intelligence officers offered cash rewards to Taliban fighters to kill American and UK troops in Afghanistan. Now, keep in mind something. Only two Americans have been killed in Afghanistan this entire year. Only two. We don't have a massive uh, swath of murder out there taking place of American troops. Two. This is, this is anonymous source allegations, just like all of the other lie stories with Russia meddling in the New York Times. 
for nearly four years. It probably is a fake intelligence report. Just like the golden shower story, all these prostitutes that Trump hired to urinate on a bed because Obama and Michelle Maybell Obama had slept on it in Moscow. Now, unlike the Obama regime, the adults in the Trump administration don't brief the president on unverified intelligence. That was Rush yesterday, and he's absolutely right. He's right about the golden showers, too, because Trump's a germaphobe. And, uh, in fact, he's, he's like the one guy in Washington who isn't into urinating hookers. That's how incompetent all these fake so-called intelligence reports are. They, they pick the one guy in Washington, the one guy inside the Beltway who's not into that scene. Uh, that's how incompetent uh, these boobs are. And it's the same thing. Just think about this for a moment. I have never heard anything. For start, let's just start with the position of the Secretary of Defense. This is what the Chief Pentagon spokesman, Jonathan Hoffman, has said. To date, DOD, Department of Defense, has no corroborating evidence to validate the recent allegations found in open source reports. So they're just open source reports. They're like floating out there on the Internet. But somehow Russian... The, Kre- the Kremlin is paying, is paying jihadists to kill uh, coalition forces, U.S. and U.K. forces. This is this is too this is too stupid, even for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Years ago, uh, Justin Trudeau's dad, Pierre Trudeau, was thought by the CIA to be in the pay of Moscow. And everybody in Canada laughed at this rumor because they thought the CIA hadn't grasped the central fact here that Pierre was willing to do for free uh, what God-fearing Americans would have to be given an awful lot of money to do. And that goes quintuple uh, when you're talking about Afghans. How much do you think you have to pay an Afghan? Uh, how much do you have to? What? How much do you think you have to pay an Afghan? Uh, to kill a foreign NATO soldier in Afghanistan. What do I, I, I tell you? I, 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 I will demand a lot of money to kill an American. I'm, it, it's, it's two dollars, Effendi. I won't say. I'm okay, okay. A buck seventy-five. A buck seventy-five. But you got to take my youngest daughter or my eldest goat along with it. That's what it will take for me to want to kill an American. A buck seventy-five. It's the most stupid thing. <laughs> They're the one people in the world. You might have to pay a Bulgar. You might have to pay a Slovene. You might have to pay a Papuan uh, to kill an American, but you don't have to pay Afghans. Afghans, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the wisest thing ever written about Afghanistan is by George MacDonald Fraser in his Flashman novel, uh, where he <laughs> accurately characterizes it. It's not a low-trust society, it's a no-trust society. And George MacDonald Fraser creates all kinds of fake Afghan proverbs, like a wise son mistrusts his mother, to indicate exactly what uh, a, a uh, you know, Afghans are the finest, uh, the finest, the finest men money can buy, except you never know quite how long you've bought them for. The idea that you would have to pay them to do what they enjoy doing for free. Uh, in Afghanistan, uh, policemen and soldiers who have been trained for years by Americans, oh, you are my friend, I love you, 
uh, and then suddenly they go all Allahu Akbar on the guys, and they're dead. The idea that the idea that, that the Kremlin, for a start, would have the ability to walk around money in Kandahar and upcountry villages in Helmand province to sort out the real... Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he was a real top jihadist. He doesn't want to do it anymore. You're going to have to pay him an awful lot of money. Uh, okay, we'll give you uh, $10 million. What do, what is, I don't, I've never seen a number with so many zeros on. It must be a trap. This is the most ridiculous, rubbish story that has ever been heard. Uh, they don't have those kind of contacts in Afghanistan, the Russians, where they were chased out. Uh, in the last century, and neither do we. This story is fake news from top to bottom. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I love me, uh, I love me a, a great American train song. I love, I love train songs. Nothing like a train song. Nothing like uh, Chattanooga Choo Choo on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. The city of New Orleans. Uh, I, I learned a lot about the American. I think this is true for a lot of foreigners, actually. You learn a lot about the American landscape through uh, train songs. They're, they're just uh, just terrific. Leave the Pennsylvania station at a quarter to four, read a magazine, and then you're in Baltimore. You could do no better if you want to read a magazine until you're in Baltimore. Actually, Baltimore these days, that's a pretty dangerous town. You probably don't want to get off there. Stay on the train. Uh, take the Acela to all the way to D.C. and uh, and Baltimore can get pretty scary. Uh, if you want to read a magazine until you reach Baltimore, though, uh, the Limbaugh letter uh, is the one to read. All you could do is go to rushlimbaugh.com and uh, there's a little button up there. Uh, on, I think it's on the drop-down menu bar at the top, at very top of the page, and you just click the Limbaugh letter button. You can... Uh, subscribe in print or in digital form or in both and it's such a great read and rush does such a terrific job on this and on the current the june cover so i guess it's uh, this month's for one more day i haven't seen the july cover yet but on the june cover there's rush you should get it just for this cover alone there's rush dressed as captain america uh with uh, an eib Red, white, and blue shield. This is terrific for July the 4th, if you're one of the uh, seven people in the country who still observe July the 4th, because, in fact, it's totally racist, just a celebration of slavery and all the rest of it. Uh, but uh, Russia's got himself in Captain America uniform with an EIB shield, and the <laughs> headline is Make America Great Again, Again! And at this stage, uh, either you believe these polls... Uh, as uh, we hear rumors that the president is inclined to do or you don't. But at this stage, you know, make America great again, again, is as good as uh, as any other slogan. So go to RushLimbaugh.com. You'll see the button for the Limbaugh letter and you click on that and uh, you can subscribe digitally. You can subscribe in print. You can subscribe in both. But actually, this is such a terrific cover. Uh, it's all it's it's worth Sticking on the wall, putting the frame on it, and uh, you'll love it. Rush as Captain America with the EIB shield and the headline, Make America Great Again, Again. As you know, all this morning, uh, the big shot experts have been testifying to the United States Senate about the current state of affairs with COVID-19. I, I really don't think there's anything they can say at this stage 
that would command a majority in favor of the measures they're recommending. For whatever reason, the CDC basically destroyed its brand. The WHO has the excuse that it's uh, that that it's basically a subsidiary of the Chinese Politburo. The way the, the the WHO is a microcosm of how the world works. That uh, the Americans pay for it and the Chinese own it. Don't ask me how that happens, but that's what happened at the WHO. Uh, America provide, well, you, in fact, American taxpayers, provide all of the money, and then mysteriously Chairman Xi ends up having his goons running the thing. That's the excuse for why the WHO is horribly politicized, and if you uh, happen to get out of line, as some lady scientists did there, uh, and, and made some suggestion that was regarded as unhelpful to Chairman Xi's view of the COVID, then that gets 86 and you never hear from it again. But the CDC, no Chinese need be involved. They actually just destroyed their own brand with incompetent and contradictory advice. And it was, it's been interesting to listen to these guys uh, talking uh, to the U.S. Senate And uh, again, from a position of expertise and authority, when what is striking is we're now, whatever it is, five months into this thing, March, April, May, June, July, five months into this thing, and we don't know any more for certain than we did all those months ago. And they can't tell us uh, anything new than they haven't that that, that they haven't told us yet. a few months ago and 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 quite frankly you know people different societies have a different comfort level with these things there there are countries that were quite happy to be told to basically shelter in place for months on end and then they had horrible numbers and horrible fatality rates anyway like belgium and then there's other societies like sweden that weren't happy to be told that so they just went about their business more or less as normal Uh, with uh, certain rather modest restrictions and certain voluntary changes in behavior. And again, you can you can say, oh, well, their uh, their rates are uh, were slightly worse than Denmark and Norway. Yeah, but they're way they're way better than Belgium. There's no actual correlation between deaths and uh, the degree of government mandated lockdown. And you're certainly not going to be able to persuade people to go along with it all over again. That's just the way it is. Uh, the The economic devastation is something that will continue for some time. You, you look at New York. New York uh, is talking about laying off, I think, uh, 22,000 city employees. New York is going to be broke. New York's not going to have any revenue. New York is a totally sclerotic and incompetent jurisdiction, the city, where it takes six months to get any little rinky-dink permit just to operate a food cart or to have uh, four cafe tables on the sidewalk outside your restaurant, it usually takes six months. And the way, the, the way they can get away with that incompetence is because they know that it's New York and you want to be there and you want to have your restaurant there. Except now maybe you don't because the government's not letting you run your restaurant at anything like a capacity sufficient enough to make any money at it, and all the uh, supporting infrastructure you need for there to be a market for your restaurant, uh, like the theater biz, for example, Broadway's going to be closed until next year. And in that 
in that state, who knows whether it's ever going to be coming back? Uh, so, so the idea that New York even has anybody, De Blasio, who is perhaps the most incompetent mayor in New York's history, De Blasio is running out of people to fleece. He actually, the, Mrs. Thatcher's great line that the trouble with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. That's actually the situation de Blasio is facing right now in New York City. Um, businesses are not going to be coming back. And the more that, uh, that Fauci and co. go before the Senate and talk about what is essentially um, reclosing the reopening, uh, there's, there's going to be less and less economic confidence. I don't know what you do about that. Then, as Rush was saying yesterday, on top of that, we compound it with a culture, with a culture war. I don't even understand. The Republicans, the last time I was here, I was complaining about the uselessness of conservative institutions. What have they got to say about this thing? What have they got to say about uh, Mr. and Mrs. McCluskey standing there facing down a mob? Two people who, for all we know, this was the first time they've ever picked up a gun in their lives. Uh, they look like they sent Alfred the butler to buy it from the gun store and this is the first time they've actually gotten the things out of the box. Uh, what what have conservative institutions got to say about what's going on on the streets? It's nothing to do with George Floyd. It's nothing to do with black lives. Black children, black basically black lives are cheap in America, and that's how Black Lives Matter likes it, because the only black lives that matter to Black Lives Matter are when a policeman uh, shoots a black guy or kills a black guy. But the black kids who die in Chicago, the black 16-year-old who died in the people's utopia of CHOP, Black Lives Matter couldn't care less about. And actually, how many blacks are there in Black Lives Matter? I look at these demonstrations, and increasingly uh, uh, the, the dominant proportion of them seems to be little white woke chicks Little trusty, fundy, upscale college white women who uh, obviously after spending their college years with the the uh, effete uh, snowflake pajama boy white male would obviously much rather be on the street in a bandana with a couple of uh, black guys torching some 24 hour pharmacy. It's a lot more fun than hanging out with the little weedy, dweeby uh, pajama boy uh, that you were at college uh, with. I don't even... Rush liked to quote my line uh, a couple of years back that there were no Russians in the Russia investigation. There aren't actually a lot of blacks in Black Lives Matter when you look at these uh, mobs on the street. It's like these... So you end up with these showdowns where you, you get these upscale white chicks getting in the face of black cops and telling the black college... So you've got white college women in these uh, bandanas, COVID bandanas, yelling at black cops about how racist they are. That's, that's fantastic. It's just as the Democrats, basically, are torching their own history here. All these people, Confederate, uh, Confederate generals, Andrew Jackson, these are all Democrats, these statue guys. Uh, that, that they hate. So basically the Democrats, it's like a civil war in the Democrat Party where the woke Democrats are a, at war against the mammy singing Democrats. Uh, and occasionally 
a woke Democrat is a mammy Democrat, as you see with Governor Northam. There's a little bit of overlap. But basically, this is a civil war. It's the Democrats are at war with their own past. Uh, And just as that involves various contradictions, so we now have the amazing scene where, uh, where most of the enforcers at CHOP, for example, that you see on the TV screen, seem to be these rather bossy uh, white uh, college women. Uh, and the victims, as usual, are the blacks. So it's the 16-year-old black kid uh, who gets shot dead and his 15-year-old pal who's in critical condition in hospital. And Black Lives Matter? None of those Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter. When are they going to live up to their lousy, stupid name uh, and actually uh, make Black Lives Matter? Come on, how many dead kids do you need in Chicago? How many dead teenagers in CHOP before you Black Lives fraudsters actually get off your rear ends and start talking about all the black lives that matter? Mark Stein for Rush, uh, your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush, uh, the number to call... We have a little bit of a... We've got a bit of a problem with our, our telephone system, as you know... Normally on this show, uh, our, our, our calls are routed through a call center in Kandahar, and Abdul didn't like the way I was uh, mocking the fact that uh, he wouldn't take the money. Oh, I, I killed the Americans for free. I don't want any money for it. No, no, I do it on principle. You can have money. I sell you my, uh, my oldest daughter for money, but uh, no, I kill Americans for free. It's a point of principle. Uh, they didn't like the way I was doing that. So our call center is temporary. Uh, Keith is a screening called. Mr. Snardley is absent today. And Keith is screening schools. He's got, like, nothing to do. He's just got his uh, feet up. Uh, he's having a cocktail uh, because we have some problem with the telephones at our end. But when they get working, as they eventually will get working, it will be the usual number, 1-800-282-2882. I'll, I'll, take, a, uh, I'll take a question I just got from a tweet uh, uh, via tweet. Bob Loblaw uh, tweets, do, do, do I think the conservative silent majority will become vocal and begin to push back in response to this most recent week's offensive moves from the left or remain silent and act only in the polls in November. It's not enough to remain silent. They're doing absolutely wicked things. They're destroying ordinary people's lives because if you're insufficiently enthusiastic... I mean, basically, they were telling this couple in St. Louis... Uh, no, if you claim to support Black Lives Matter, you should just have stood there as they burned. They threatened to kill this family's dog. So they should have said, oh, I love, I love, I support Black Yes, Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. Kill my dog. Come on. Yes, you threatened to kill him. Just kill that lazy uh, lazy SOB, and uh, that's fine with me because I support Black Lives Matter, and I can certainly see the connection between the death of George Floyd and you killing my dog. Go ahead and do it. White dog's uh, uh, privilege. I've had enough of it. Uh, kill my dog. I mean, it's the, 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 this idea that we are supposed... This is nothing will good. Nothing... And this is why I can't stand listening to 50% of Republican and conservative spokesmen. This is not even a good faith revolution. Normally, revolutions start 
uh, like the French Revolution uh, with some great noble ideal. And then they take a little bit of a while to become toxic and violent and murderous and descend into the reign of terror. This is a reign of terror from the get go because these people can't build anything. All they can do is destroy. It's not a good faith revolution. And the fact that it's so easily hijacked to say, OK, well, we toppled all the, this. There's some Black Lives Matter guy in Wisconsin was saying this a couple of days ago on the local news there. OK, yes, uh, yes, we've taken down all we uh, tore down all the Confederate generals and all the slaveholder statues. And now there's only statues left of abolitionists and uh, uh, suffragists uh, who want votes for women and all the rest of it. But we have to tear those down, too, because otherwise they risk giving the impression that Wisconsin isn't a totally racy, racy, racist state. It's rubbish. Why would you get on board realtors, American realtors? If you're a realtor, I apologize for this, but uh, there's a snotty type of realtor I can't stand being shown around a house by. You know the type. They're, 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 they're snotty and unpleasant and superior and think you can't afford the house anyway. They're not very nice uh, realtors. And yet they cave like pansies to Black Lives Matter. Oh, we're not going to use the phrase master bedroom anymore because it reminds us of uh, that old Negro spiritual masses in the cold, cold bedroom. So we're not going to say master bedroom. How can you get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror? That doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything for one oppressed person anywhere on the planet. And so if there is a silent majority, and I'm not so sure, or a silenced majority, you've got to speak up about this. Don't let, don't, don't let the, the phrase master bedroom disappear for this reason, because then there's not a word that's safe. And the whole reason the left won and the right lost is because the left exercised its power over language. And that's what they're still doing. So when a realtor says, well, we don't say master bedroom, we don't, because that's a racist phrase and we support Black Lives Matter. Say, well, I'm sorry, I was looking for a house with a master bedroom, so until you put one in, nuts to you, I'm off. You don't, you surrender language, that's it, you're dead, you lose. Mark sign for Rush, lots more straight ahead. A 28-year-old woman uh, has saved two sisters and a cousin from drowning in the water off a beach in Cornwall, England. Uh, the 28-year-old woman who saved these two sisters and a cousin was topless uh, when she uh, rescued them. I used to have I used to have that dream all the time when I was 14 or 15 that I was rescued from drowning by a 28-year-old uh, topless woman. Uh, matter of fact, I think I'm having it right now. Lots more rush still to come on the EIB. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your EIB Anchor Baby. Thrilled to be here. No supporting paperwork whatsoever. You know how this works. Uh, I'm up here in uh, far northern New England, just shy of the Quebec border. Uh, and uh, we always love to see you. If you're fleeing the country, do uh, swing by. Uh, there's a big sign out on the highway saying, Last Rush Guest Host Before the Border. Uh, the border's closed anyway, so you might be here a while. Uh, Mike and Keith are taking care of things in New York, and uh, Mr. Snadley isn't here today. He's, uh, he's uh, in an undisclosed location. Maybe Rush will tell you a bit all about that when Rush is back uh, later in the week. As he will be, 1-800-282-2882 is the number to call. We had a bit of a problem with the telephones in the uh, 
in the first hour. This is America's number one radio show. We have state-of-the-art uh, telephone systems here, obviously, but uh, we uh, forgot to put a shilling in the meter, so uh, the line got disconnected. But we're going to try and get it back up uh, imminently and take lots of your calls in the hours ahead. Um, I uh, I mentioned this uh, slogan of uh, it's actually on the front page of this month's Limbaugh letter on the front cover. Make America great again, again. What is this election coming to be about? You know, Joe Biden is sitting there in his basement, deteriorating uh, mentally. He he's must have some uh, hell of a vitamin D deficiency by now, just sitting there in the dark and not being let out by his minders. Uh, and people have been... Victor Davis Hanson's got a brutal piece, actually, out at National Review about the mental deterioration, actually, just since he began campaign, campaigning. That's to say, a year ago, he was a lot more coherent than he is now. Uh so he wants the election to be about nothing, the Democrats do. They're going to give him Kamala Harris as his running mate, and they're going to hope, as they think the polls bear out, that there are enough people who are just exhausted. by. They've got a combination of factors. People found the last three years tiring. Um, even not Not necessarily because it's Trump's fault, but even because... The fake investigations into Trump just have a way of wearing you out. That's why they're doing it. Oh, we, oh, okay, we impeached him and it didn't work. Uh, but now we may have to impeach him all over again about this phony, totally phony, totally ludicrous. In fact, a story that reveals exactly why uh, America hasn't won a war in 75 years, because there is no way you could know the slightest thing about Afghanistan and think that this was a remotely plausible story. It's rubbish from top to toe. Uh, and it, and the fact that it's given credence and credibility by Democrats. The only person th- that's of consequences in this story is the, is the guy who leaked it to the New York Times. Because, in fact, you're, you're, if there is actually a scheme to kill American soldiers, if you genuinely believe that, not to mention allied soldiers, too, incidentally. So your allies aren't going to be thrilled about seeing this on the front page of the New York Times. If that guy ought to be in jail, that's the only crime that's that's been committed here. The idea of having more investigations, the investigations exhaust me. Oh, OK, okay I just like I'd just like not to have to think about all this politics and everything. Uh, I just so let's just vote for Joe Biden because the advantage is he's brain dead, so we won't have to worry about that. There'll just be some anonymous sock puppets, you know, uh, pulling the strings, man, you know, manipulating his arm to sign executive orders and things, and we can have a quiet life again. I understand there's a segment of the population, the six percent, as Rush was saying, whatever it is, of of so-called swingers of independents, so-called. Uh, who might be thinking? Who might be thinking like that? But I tell you what, I'd like actually, because I'm I'm sick of it. And you shouldn't again. You shouldn't need a foreigner uh, to say this, because basically, basically the left's position now, the position of the mob on the street, the position of the Democrat mayors and governors and congressmen who support the mob, mob on the street, is that this country is a disaster. It's been a huge mistake. July 4th, 1776. What, was, what were those dirty, rotten slaveholders thinking of? 
when they issued that Declaration of uh, Independence. Glorious fourth, my eye. Uh, There's no easier way to show you're disgusting and racist and you support the genocide of indigenous people and the enslavement of black people than uh, lighting up a firecracker on the 4th of July. God rot you. It's all been one big stinking mistake since we issued that Declaration of Independence rubbish. And, you know, I speak as a Canadian... And I can, I, can, uh, I can see that point of view, because as you know, uh, the, the uh, American Revolutionary War gets taught in different ways, according to whether you're in an American school or you're in a Canadian school or an English school or a French school, where they teach. In, in France, you're taught that the only reason the American colonists won the revolution was because the French uh, backed them to the hilt because they wanted to get at England and one consequence of that is that supporting the American Revolution drove uh, France into so much debt uh, that it caused the French Revolution. Uh, so as a result of Louis XVI backing the American Revolution, he lost his head and George III sailed on. History is very complicated. And as I said, it depends on which particular schoolhouse you're sitting in, whether you're in a French schoolhouse or a Canadian schoolhouse or an American schoolhouse. And, of course, nowhere is more anti-American than an American schoolhouse. So, as I said, uh, from a uh, speaking as a subject of the crown, uh, it's, be very interesting to, uh, it's very interesting to see the Democrats basically running on the platform that everything since July the 4th, 1776, until the election of Obama was one big, huge mistake. Uh, But I don't know yet whether there's a majority of Americans who are actually willing to go down that road. So why not actually have an election in which America and the American story and the American narrative uh, is actually at issue? If, If these guys on the street and the Democrats, because basically... Whatever they say, it's a two-party system, and in electoral terms, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are the paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. Why not actually put that? Say, okay, you want to make this an issue? Let's put America on the on 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 the ballot uh, this November. That if you love this country, uh, if you think that July Fourth, seventeen seventy-six, actually was a great act of courage to take a stand against the most powerful man on earth, as George III was at that time, if you think that was an act of great courage, and if you think that quite incredibly, quite incredibly, at a time when for, let me work this out, almost 300 years it had been assumed that the European empires were the great powerhouse on the planet, and yet within a century... A, a new nation that started as just a like tiny little cramped bunch of 13 cramped colonies on the East Coast had become somehow a global power itself. And that out of uh, that global power, it had intervened decisively in two world wars uh, and built the 20th century and had become a great cultural powerhouse and a great economic powerhouse and a great scientific powerhouse Uh, and that it had eventually removed slavery and freed its slaves and, in fact, elected a black president. If you think, actually, the story of America, to use the phrase I always use, 
the the phrase John Howard, the Australian Prime Minister, used uh, to me about 14 years ago about how he wanted to teach Australian history as, in his words, an heroic national narrative. Heroic national narrative. Because it's not psychologically healthy to hate your country. You look at these people on the street. The people they're ter- Hans Christian Hegg. He was a Norwegian immigrant, and he was brought as a child to America at the age of 10. And he hated slavery, so became an abolitionist. And he joined the New Republican Party. Uh, and he joined this group that, that uh, prevented slaves from being captured by these uh, slave rescuing forces. A great man. And then he dies in battle on the Union side in the Civil War. And these grunting, know-nothing thug morons tear his statue down. He's a better man than every single member of Black Lives Matter put together. Every single member of Antifa put together. Hans Christian Hegg. He gave his life for his country. And some goons who know nothing tear him off the plinth uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, this is, this is, let's have an election about something, just for once. We've had these crappy, stupid elections where we all agree, we know Mitt Romney is just a big wuss, a big girly pants who, uh, who, who gets beaten down by Candy Crowley. He actually comes close to almost landing one on uh, Barack Obama, and then Candy Crowley slaps him around like he's some seven-year-old kid uh, and then she sends him to his room, and we still do our best. We we do our best to drag a big nothing guy like Mitt running on nothing, a platform of nothing, across the finish line. Just for once, let's have a consequential election. The Democrats and Antifa and Black Lives Matter want to make the very existence, everything, and I say, it shouldn't take a foreigner to say this, they want to make everything since that declaration. Everything. Everything, the, well, actually before that, they want to make 1619, they want to make Columbus. They want to make the entirety of the American presence on this continent an issue. Okay, go for it. Let's finally have a, an election about something and, and make it a vote on America. America, yes or no? That'll do for me. Just put that on the ballot and that'll do it. Mark Stein, Infrarush, our telephone lines are back and we will speak to you telephonically after this. Mark Stein, Infrarush on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Let us go. We've had a little bit of telephonic problem, uh, but we've tied together the piece of wet string and we're reasonably confident it'll work. Let us go to Rich who is from uh, my own state of New Hampshire, way down south on the Massachusetts line, uh, which is like the Mason-Dixon line of uh, New England, the New Hampshire-Massachusetts line. In Hudson, New Hampshire, Rich, you're first up on the Rush Limbaugh Show. What's on your mind today? Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I've been giving some thought to this Black Lives Matter group, and I have a plan for them where they can use their vast people resources and financial resources and actually help save the lives of the people they're looking to save, and that's the black people, and go to Chicago on the weekends and patrol the streets and help 
keep the city calm and stop the shootings. Then they would be putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah, that's actually a very good idea. I mean, as we've seen from the television news, they got all kinds of uh, human resources, they can call on. They're not short of manpower. They're not short of warm bodies. Why don't they actually do that? Because in Chicago, life is uh, cheap. I, I think it was over 60 were shot uh, this weekend. Uh, the fatalities included like a 10-year-old girl. No one will ever know her name. She won't be a George Floyd. No one will know her name. Uh, Joe Biden said George Floyd was bigger than Martin Luther King. Well, this 10-year-old girl is as small and anonymous as anybody uh, in some distant jungle thousands of miles away. She doesn't make the news. So why don't, why don't Black Lives Matter and their organization actually go and keep the peace? That, that 10-year-old girl, I think, was on the west side of Chicago. Why don't they go and keep the peace in Chicago from, say, 3 o'clock every Friday afternoon uh, to 8 o'clock on Monday morning? That's a, that's a great idea, Rich. Do you think uh, Black Lives Matter are going to take you up on that? Uh, I don't know. They wouldn't have that much fun of looting and robbing and, and, and all the other fun <laughs> stuff that they're doing. But also, when they're done, once they get Chicago straightened out, there's plenty of other cities they could go to and work with the people that they want to support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, New York, now they're taking... And again, the whole thing about reimagining, they keep talking about reim- reimagining the police. So you'll call 911... And uh, the dispatcher isn't going to send a policeman. The dispatcher will send a social worker or something. Well, why don't we actually have a pilot scheme? As in, in New York at the moment, there's uh, fireworks going off all over the city every night. Why don't, we, why don't we have Black Lives Matter? Now they're cutting a billion dollars out of the New York City police budget. Why don't Black Lives Matter pick up the slack? And go and and patrol the neighborhoods. So let's actually let's actually see them do that. If Black Lives Matter, then these these urban killing fields, these Saturday night urban killing fields. Why don't you guys get in there? Everyone's scared of you. We see it on the news. And why don't you try and enforce order there? That's an excellent idea, Rich. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your call. I tell you what. Let's go to Bobby in Jamestown, uh, Tennessee. Bobby. Uh, you're on the Rush Limbaugh Show. What's on your mind today? Hey, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. I just like saying the word Bobby. Bobby. Uh, let's go to Dave in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dave, uh, what's on your mind today? Hi, Mark. Um, the This notion that we should stop funding the police and divert the funds for social programs um, I'm reminded of my criminal justice degree where half of it was sociology, you know, getting to the root of what causes crime and try to fix society so we won't have yeah. any more crime. And that has been tried for centuries and no one's ever figured out how to do it. Yeah. Um, what really happens is the money goes towards the social programs, which really means to the Democrats. Right. I mean, they got it all set up that way. The money goes right to their campaign. So it's beautiful the way that they've right. got all this set up. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. In fact, it's not just the police. Uh, I mean, that happens at the national level when they have these so-called uh, uh, police uh, training 
courses run by the federal government. They're basically run by Democrat interest groups. That also goes uh, for the Pentagon, which is why they wound up shipping Americans out to Afghanistan with that stupid fraudulent three cups of tea book. Uh, that, uh, that applies to all kinds, or almost any kind of it applies in education or whatever, where basically uh, the Democrat interest groups, uh, all the money that should be used for actual effective government action is sluiced into Democrat talking shops uh, run by favorite, uh, favored Democrat uh, lobbies. And that's all that would happen here, Dave. That's an, uh, that's an excellent point. Do you think, let me ask you a political question. When you look, at, uh, when you look at that couple uh, in St. Louis and some of these other scenes, you look at them outside the mayor's house in Seattle, do you, do you think they've gone too far? Do you, think there's, do you think there's actually a vote now in November that just says, whoa, we've, we've let the crazy out of the bottle and uh, we, don't, we don't want this much crazy on the streets every night and we're going to support whichever party promises to put these guys back in the bottle and put a stopper on them? Well, the, unfortunately, the way the Democrats have have gotten power through the left over decades is bit by bit, and they keep pushing the envelope as far as they can get it, and they're pushing it again. And I think that it's going to keep on working. They're going to keep pushing it and pushing it, and it becomes the new normal. So yeah, that that's that's an interesting phrase, Dave. The new normal. I don't I don't know either, actually. But that point you made is worth exploring. I'm going to pick that up. Uh, on the other side of the break here. Mark Stein in for Rush. The great man will be back later this week. Never fear. Yes, America's Anchorman is out today. You know why? He told you all about it yesterday. And, uh, you know, uh, Rush said when this thing started uh, back in January, he came on the air and he said he didn't. he didn't just... Uh, want to be a uh, professional because because the whole victim thing isn't Rush's scene. Rush for the last three decades has come on here and he's told you about how he loves doing what he's doing and how doing what he is loves doing has enabled him to lead an incredible life. So he's not cut out for the victim role uh, and he doesn't and he doesn't like to do it and he's a bit coy about uh, talking. He doesn't like talking about this or that medical. Uh, procedure and all the rest of it and you know he doesn't like doing it but otherwise people speculate and all the rest so he's perfectly upfront about why he's not here today but he does hope to be back later in the week we certainly uh, would like him to be back later in the week because the, uh, the 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 burdens on the guest host team can get a bit excessive uh, if he leaves it till too long in the week to come back but we want him to be back because it would be a spectacular 4th of July. Do you know, just to go back to that point I made about uh, John Howard down in Australia, the Prime Minister, and that line he used to me about the heroic national narrative. If you don't, if you don't, you really, it's just, it's no, no society on earth can, can live uh, mired in self-loathing. You look at these twits on the street People who couldn't, they don't even know whose statue they're tearing down. They don't know what the guy, they have, they have lost the imaginative capacity to comprehend what it is like to be a person in a different time. Uh, which actually is a serious flaw and actually is a serious rebuke 
to the totally incompetent education they have received from kindergarten through to grade 28 or whenever it was uh, they decided to pack up uh, their worthless education system. And I'm listening. I keep listening, 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 listening for anything from all these all these big conservative think tanks that you've given money to for years and that haven't managed actually to conserve anything. I don't see that. I don't. I, I myself wonder what it is that they're supposed to be dedicating, dedicated to conserving. But this is actually basic now. It's basic and primal. Uh, and I say this with a degree of humility because no nation is perfect. And nations, uh, nations intercede in all kind. Uh, they intersect in all kinds of different ways. As you know, the the American founding is premised on the idea that uh, George the Third was a great tyrant. Which you know, at the time, he was the most enlightened leader on earth. And as I always say, if he were running in November, he'd be the small government candidate. That's just the way it is. Nations intersect in different ways. They sort of scrape against each other. Uh, and it's very abrasive, and then they go apart, and then they reconnect in ways that are actually uh, more positive. And different countries, different nations have different stories, and they all have warts, uh, to use the line Oliver Cromwell to his uh, portrait painter when he instructed him to paint him warts and all. For two generations now, all we've done is not paint uh, the men who built our country, warts and all. We've painted just the warts. All we know of Washington, all all our children know of Washington, Jefferson, is the warts. And eventually they come to see everything. I mean, it is the arrogance of the present. The the When you live in a hyper-present tense culture like ours, all you see is the present, because the present is all around you. It's not like a 4th of July uh, in a small town in New Hampshire in the 1880s, where they all have the parade, they sing the old songs, uh, people come up and do recitals of poems and things they, uh, that are all from decades and decades ago. The past was much more present if you were at a small town 4th of July celebration in 1880. Now, we, the present tense is all around us so that we've got two generations who actually can't imagine the present. Here's the most stupid statue-toppling story of the day. York Minster in England. They've got a statue of the Emperor Constantine there. And uh, because you know who the Emperor Constantine is? You know why he's outside a Christian church at York Minster, a, uh, a Christian cathedral? Uh, because... Uh, he's the emperor, the Roman emperor, who declared an end to the persecution of the Christians. And that enabled Christianity to grow and flourish uh, without Christians being uh, tortured and persecuted and put upon by the Roman Empire. So Christianity uh, owes a debt of thanks to Emperor Constantine for putting an end to the persecution of Christians, for not uh, having them, if you for fans of the film Gladiator, uh, not, uh, not st sticking them in the arena with a bunch of lions and that kind of thing. And now apparently people are saying that uh, the Emperor Constantine has got to come down because he had slaves. Yes, he had slaves. He was a Roman emperor, for 
God's sake, are you out of your mind? Everybody had slaves then. Well, not everybody, but there were the people who had slaves and the people who were the slaves, right? (laughs) So he's a Roman emperor (laughs) in Roman times. And because he had slaves, you can't show a representation of him. Even though he's the guy, the reason there's a town there, the reason there's a society there is because he said, ah, okay, enough with the torturing Christians. Because Emperor Constantine put a stop to it, uh, he's the reason there's Christendom. Uh, And so uh, we've lost the capacity to imagine that in the days of the Roman Empire, there were Roman emperors who had slaves. This is, this is basically the self-moronization of society. We used to, I'll tell you another example of why things are. A dear old gentleman I knew slightly in his last years of life called Jimmy Kennedy from uh, Coleraine in, or that Port Stewart in Northern Ireland. Lovely man. And uh, he wrote a song called Istanbul, Not Constantinople. And it was a big hit. In the, I forget what it was, 1954 or something. Actually, because even pop songs weren't totally stupid back in 1954. I mean, a lot were. How much is that doggy in the window? But uh, not all of them were. So you could actually have a pop song uh, premised on the idea that uh, that there once was a place called Constantinople and it got changed to Istanbul. We are now trashing everything before yesterday and living in the moment. That's actually a literal pact with the devil. That's what Faust that's the deal Faust tried to get, to live in the moment. And the moment will never, you know, John Wayne now, John Wayne, they want to change the name of John Wayne Airport because John Wayne held racist and homophobic views. A lot of people did. Uh, John Wayne was also a great actor. And when he died, they thought it would be nice to rename the airport in Orange County after him and put up a big statue to him. And now we can have no statues. This is this is why, as I said, I'd like just for one. I don't want to hear, you know, the the biggest systemic uh, problem in our politics is the fact that we got these two frozen parties from the Civil War. We've got people taking down statues now from both sides of the Civil War. That's how stupid it is. There's no good side in the Civil War. If you we had Ryan Lizard from Politico ask the president. Uh, Ask the president's press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, does the president wish the Confederacy had won the Civil War? Of all stupid questions to ask, would he rather be the, the president of the Confederate States of America? This is Donald Trump. He's like uh, a Manhattan real estate guy. He doesn't betray any antebellum traces to me at all. Doesn't seem like a southern gentleman uh, doesn't seem like he likes mint juleps on the veranda. There is no trace of the antebellum South about him of, at all. But he's being asked questions like, do you wish the Confederacy... There's no good answer to that. Who cares? You're against the Union side, too. You're tearing down statues of people who led the Union Army, who fought for the Union Army. There's no good answer to who should have won the Civil War. The Confederacy's evil and the Union side is evil. It's all evil. So if you want to play that way, let's have an election on something that matters. Like I said, America, yes or no. That's the question the Democrats and their paramilitaries on the streets of American cities are posing. Where's it stop? 
Where's it stop? You surround. Okay, yeah, Andrew Jackson. Okay, Ulysses S. Okay, Abraham Lincoln. Okay, Christopher Columbus. It's all got to go. It's all got to go. There's no the idea of negotiating with people. You can surrender everything. You can surrender the phrase master bedroom at Coldwell Banker. Coldwell Banker and all these other realtors now, they're scrubbing the phrase master bedroom because they're panicked. They're worried that Black Lives Matter won't like them. It'll be something else. Closing, closing. Why, why, why do you have real estate closings? That's kind of sounds permanent and intimidating. It'll all have to go. You'll have to surrender everything. So if you're not willing to surrender everything, don't surrender anything. It's all rubbish. Mark Stein for Rush, your call straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush, and uh, let us go to Howard in Victoria, British Columbia, uh, just uh, north of Washington State. And Howard, before we get to your point, I'm I'm absolutely disgusted to have you on the air. You're you're from a city that's named after a racist white queen empress, uh, and you're from a province that includes the name uh, of Christopher Columbus in it, Victoria, British Columbia. So when you get off the telephone, um, I want I want you to promise me that you'll petition the city and provincial authorities. Uh, to say, change the name to Black Lives Matterville in uh, British Black Lives Materia, and actually the British should probably go as well from that name as well, Howard. While we're uh, while we're at it, but notwithstanding the racist name of your town and province, it's great to have you on the show today. What's on your mind? Well, actually, I I, I think you know that possibly could all happen. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you heard, but they took down the statue. Of our founding prime minister, John A. MacDonald, because, I mean, he was a racist, you know. I know, and Queen Victoria loved Sir John A. MacDonald, so so your town is named after the lady who loved the racist prime minister. And uh, these things are actually happening. The state of Victoria in Australia, that's their state name, so it's like British Columbia or Oregon Mm -hmm. or whatever, and they're, they're talking seriously about changing the name of Victoria. Uh, I think we. Sh- I think the entire Western world should just change its name to We Sakurama and everything's our fault, uh, and leave it at that. Uh, but what what else is on your mind, Howard? Well, actually, uh, um, uh, Mark, I wanted to tell you something. Uh, you, you used to have a column in uh, our lovely national conservative paper, the National Post, Oh yeah, which apparently has been taken over by the Black Lives Matter group. I'm not quite sure how, but in today's paper, on page A8, there's a quarter-page photograph of the McCluskeys, I think they are, in right. uh, St. Louis, apparently threatening those poor, peaceful protesters. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, I, I want to read you what it says underneath, because I read this and I started to boil. Uh, it says, triggered, a couple stands in front of their house in St. Louis, Missouri on Sunday, waving guns at passing protesters who were calling for pre- police reforms. The polarizing event got a vo- boost from U.S. President Donald Trump on Monday after he posted the video a day after he retweeted a video of a supporter shouting white power. I just sent off a letter to the editor of the National Post, which will do absolutely no good at all, mm. pointing out that a minimal amount of investigative journalism, which apparently is not allowed in the media here in Canada, would have turned out that actually those people only went and got the guns after they were threatened with having their house burned down and their dogs shot. 
Absolutely. And uh, the tragedy, as you said, I used to write, I was one of the founders of the National Post, which was owned by Rush's great friend, uh, Conrad Black. And uh, we had a grand run for, I think it was the first five years or whatever. And the new ownership now is uh, it, it, they, they're just uh, it's supposedly conservative because it's not far out leftist, but they don't believe in anything. And it's a t- it's a pitiful newspaper. It's a dying newspaper. And uh, I don't think I'm saying anything uh, in confidence here. But Conrad and I occasionally muse about buying that thing and seeing if we can't restore it to its former glories for the seven people who still buy newspapers. But, Howard, what's disgusting here? You know, these people, these corporate people, for some, they're being threatened by their own workers who uh, object to running columns, conservative columns like Conrad Black's. Um, and, and, and they're also in this, they're also sort of head faked by Twitter into signing on to absolutely absurd uh, positions. They're like all these people now. Nobody needs woke corporations, the cheap grace the cheap grace, as we used to call it, or virtue signaling, as we as we say now, whereby they think that simply by putting white letters on a plain black background, people will think you're on on the same side. No, they'll be coming to you. It's pathetic when I look at, you know, uh, I don't have a high regard for Meghan and Harry at the best of times. But to see Meghan and Harry sort of scrambling to catch up with the Black Lives Matter bandwagon Everything that every the only reason anyone's ever heard of that couple is because they're a duke and duchess. Do you think there's going to be duke and duchesses, dukes and duchesses in Black Lives Matter world that you can't meet these people? There's no halfway with these people. There's no place for the National Post uh, or any kind of conservative newspaper. And actually, there's no place for even sort of centrist, wishy-washy, dweeby, nothing types like most conservative media actually uh, is going towards. You can't meet these guys halfway, Howard. Uh, thank you for your call, and I wish you... That's Howard from Victoria, uh, British Columbia, Columbus, Ohio, is uh, uh, trying to find come up with a new name, uh, and doubtless British Columbia will be doing its best. It shouldn't have the British. It shouldn't have the Columb, because that's Columbus. You could probably just call it Ia, Ia, Ia. Victoria should go too. That maybe should just be the town of Ia in the province of Ia. Mark Stein for Rush, the March of the Morons across the United States, across the continent, across the globe, continues. Lots more still to come. Because of COVID-19, uh, we're now having drive-through citizenship uh, <laughs> citizenship swearing-ins in parking garages. It's a fascinating account from the Mining Journal in which a, uh, a 60-year-old lady from the United Kingdom drove into a Detroit parking garage, lowered the window... Uh, and became an American after taking a drive-through oath. I can't, I'm not sure I can uh, quite imagine that. Do you forswear all foreign potentates? Uh, yeah, and could I get supersized fries with that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about these drive-through citizenship ceremonies. But it is the new normal, supposedly the post-COVID new normal, the deeply strange abnormal that we are all having to get used to. More Rush straight ahead. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your undocumented Anchorman, Mark Stein. Thrilled to be here 
Honoured to be here. Always a great uh, privilege to be here. This has been an absolutely bonkers year so far. It began with an economy going gangbusters and the Democrat Party unable to coalesce around any viable candidate who might be able to take out Trump for them. Do you remember all the... It's, I can hardly even remember these guys. Beto O'Rourke. Do you remember that guy, Bloomberg? Uh, and eventually they wound up with uh, Joe Biden as the last man standing, although he wasn't actually the last man. He was the last man lying down taking a nap. And, and he went into the basement and he hasn't been seen in months. He's come out today and he's doing a, a press conference, his first, I think, news conference or whatever he's calling it, uh, in months. And uh, he's saying that we don't need a cheerleader. We need a president. For a start, he's uh, China's guy. I- I'll give you some breaking news, actually, before we go any further, because I should have mentioned this uh, 15 minutes ago. The FCC has deemed Huawei and ZTE Corp, another Chinese company, to be threats to national security. Um, And uh, that's uh, a step towards driving the Chinese manufacturers out of the U.S. market where small rural carriers have come to rely on their cheap network equipment. And what is frustrating about this whole Black Lives Matter destruction, this spree of destruction this last month, is we were actually having, we were in an unusual position of actually having a national conversation that mattered five or six weeks ago, where we were talking about how China has become the dominant power on the planet. We were told that we couldn't make manufacturing was never going to be coming back. We were never going to make widgets anymore. We, the widgets could be made much cheaper in China. So all, everything was going to China widget wise. And we would have to be focused. This was the phrase they used 20 years ago, the knowledge economy. We were going to be the knowledge economy. And then somehow it turned out that the knowledge economy is all down to Huawei and ZTE and these other Chinese companies. That's all in China too. So we got nothing left but retail. Uh, And then retail got clobbered by the COVID now. So you can't open uh, a restaurant. Uh, You're in the service industry. It's the worst industry to be in when there's a pandemic, because if you're in a factory and you make things, uh, whether it's Huawei or you're making widgets or you're making T-shirts, you're you're with the same group of people every day. If you're in the retail business, if you've got a shop, if you've got a restaurant, if you're on an airline, uh, you're meeting just random persons thrown in at you, new every hour of the day, new bunch of people. Uh, you're much more exposure to threats like the pandemic. So we became a retail economy. And that wasn't. And, and as I said, very rarely do we ever talk about anything that matters in the national discourse because we have this sort of uh, third rate political dinner theater. Uh, that goes on most of the time. But five or six years ago, five or six weeks ago, we were actually talking about something that seriously mattered. How did China become the dominant power on the planet? As it is, as I said last hour, the WHO, the World Health Organization, that's actually a metaphor for the planet. You pay for it, China owes it. So China gets its stooge in there, and that stooge, that Beijing Bob guy, Dr. Tedros, 
He doesn't do anything that upsets his great patron, Chairman Xi. He hires people uh, that get on with Chairman Xi and take the Chairman Xi line on things. There's a Canadian guy on there, uh, absolutely pitiful fellow, cringe-makingly groveling, won't even say the word Taiwan, won't even say it because it upsets uh, because it upsets Chairman Xi. Then you've got uh, Dr. Tedros uh, accusing Taiwan of being racist because they want to get rid of him. Uh, and so five or six weeks ago, we were in a very unusual city. We were actually talking that the, the pandemic had actually brought into focus the fact that China China makes all our medicines. China is the everything you see in the pharmacy is uh, the principal ingredients are made in China. So we can't ever go to war with China uh, because they'll cut off the medicine supply. And so after four weeks, all of our fantastic uh, uh, planes and tanks that need to be operated by people at the peak of their form, all those guys will have come down with uh, headaches and irritable bowel syndrome because China makes all the medicines. And then, so it was a fantastic thing. If you've waited, if you, if you, if you actually want to step back, because most political conversation is like Godzilla's footprint at the beginning of the Godzilla movie, and everyone's standing around in this strange indentation that's appeared in the ground on the edge of town, and the local sheriff and the doctor and everyone also, ah, I can't make head nor tail of this thing. And then the camera pulls up way up to the sky and you realize they're standing in a giant footprint of where Godzilla has just plonked his foot down. Uh, but they can't see it because they're all close up. And that's how we discuss global events most of the time. We're too, we're too close up. Oh, Beto O'Rourke, he's suddenly important. No, he's not. He's completely unimportant. Any time you spend discussing Beto O'Rourke is a waste of time. So we're, we're talking about something that matters five or six weeks ago. Then the last month, we've just been, it's been bonkers. Across not just America, but across Canada, across Australia, across New Zealand, across the UK, and uh, to a certain extent on continental Europe too. Suddenly there's statues being toppled. People are suddenly going bananas over 200-year-old statues. Oh, we've got to tear down this guy. I'd never heard of him till 10 minutes ago. We've got to tear it down. We've got to tear it down. Oh, why? What? What's happening? Oh, it's police reform. So the eunuch Republicans, again, they're always talking about the last issue. The issue isn't actually about police reform any longer. It may have been for about 20 minutes. It's about anarchy on the streets now. It's about whether a society loathes itself so much it's uh, prepared to abolish its entire historical memory. No conversations take place like this in China. They don't have any kind of identity politics. The idea that you could switch on the TV and there would be uh, two different groups of Chinese citizens fighting each other in the street. You have Hong Kong, that's a separate thing, and they're taking care of that right now. But the idea that a mainland Chinese could have, it's like 94% Han Chinese, ethnically homogenous. Uh, they're experimenting now on their Uyghur Muslims. Uh, they're uh, sterilizing them so they don't have any more Uyghur Muslims. Uh, China is an homogenous society uh, that doesn't have to waste its time with any of this. So all the time we spend debating on whether or not Abraham Lincoln's statue should be removed or Teddy Roosevelt's statue, how did this happen? 
How did this happen? Teddy Roosevelt, uh, the most popular president uh, in American history. That's why he's the most recent guy on Mount Rushmore. He 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 joined that pantheon uh, almost while he was in office. He was so popular uh, that when it came to put up a pick presidents to go on Mount uh, Rushmore, he's he's the most uh, recent guy there. We we've spent we've spent in in the and again this is spread. Throughout the English-speaking world, to a lesser extent through continental Europe, but to a degree. But we have actually spent, we just as we were starting to talk about China and how China became the dominant power on the planet, then suddenly, just as we're beginning to ask awkward questions, just as we're beginning to talk about bringing the supply chain home, we get mired in this completely ludicrous exercise in nihilist destruction for a month. At some point, uh, it's again a line I use all the time, sadly, a society becomes too stupid to survive. Uh, Rush is a very optimistic guy. That's the great thing about him. And that's why I always get disturbed when I detect like a subtext of uh, pessimism in what Rush is saying. But, But as usual... As usual, uh, we have become we, we we basically have this these ridiculous scenes now where good, virtuous, heroic figures are quite disgustingly being dragged off their pedestals uh, every night of the week, uh, and we have a a, a a a culture that cannot do anything except destroy. Doesn't have any doesn't say, oh, well, let's put up a statue to this guy. Let's put up a statue. It's no, it's about destruction. It's about destruction. And it's interesting to me that it came along just as we were starting to talk about China and uh, and reigning in China and bringing the supply chain home. And now we have a guy, a Chinese shill, Joe Biden, out of his bunker, giving a press conference uh, a man for who he doesn't think of China in uh, geopolitical terms, in in strategic terms. He just thinks of China, you know, as a useful way for his crackhead son uh, to get a couple million dollars without having to do any work. So China, Ukraine, it's all the same to him. There are a lot of these foreigners out there, and uh, yeah, Hunter Biden isn't that impressive when he's uh, sitting around the boardroom table once every six months or so, but he's. He's uh, connected. He's the son of the vice president and the son of the next president. So let's sluice a couple million dollars to him. Joe Biden. Trump has got him wrong here. The the low energy Jeb was quite useful. That was true. That was true. Um, But no, he's not sleepy, Joe. He's stinkingly corrupt, Joe. He's stinkingly the the glad handing every man, glad handing every man. You know, oh, I'm just the guy who rides the Acela. I'm just like Mr. Regular Joe. And no, Mr. Regular Joe doesn't have a son who's a Ukrainian oligarch, doesn't have a son who's on the take from the Chinese Politburo, doesn't have a son who's so stupid he leaves a crack pipe in his rental car. So no, he's not... uh, He's sleepy Joe. He's actually stinkingly corrupt Joe. Even the remnants of Joe a stinkingly corrupt and the idea that the idea that a cipher a dead husk 
the remnants of whatever Joe Biden was in his prime when he was plagiarizing Welsh Labour Party leaders. No, that's not someone who's going to address the story of our times, which is that while we were sleeping, while we were wasting our time banning the phrase master bedroom, while we were wasting our time taking uh, Splash Mountain's flume ride at Disneyland and eliminating all the references to Br'er Rabbit from it, because that's the most pressing crisis in America today, while the Dixie chicks were being de-Dixified, China snaffled the world out from under us because we're drunk on trivia that does nothing for anyone. Uh, and that's it, that's the tragedy of these last four weeks, that it's eliminated the necessary conversation about how China snaffled the world out from under us. Mark Stein for us, your call straight ahead. You know, ever since this uh, Internet thing came along, we deal with fewer and fewer real people and with more and more people who are just uh, maybe a text number or an email address. Rush has a smart thought on how to handle online thieves who hide behind their keyboards, uh, attempting to steal your money as soon as they've stolen your identity. You know, a listener here has passed along a story that illustrates just how easily online identity theft occurs. It involves a number of cash withdrawals from her savings account without her knowledge. That would be unsettling. A cyber thief was clever enough to obtain her savings account number from a text that she had sent to a family member. But unbeknownst to her, the cyber thief had deposited malware on her phone. She had no idea of that. How would she have known? It was only when she went to deposit money into that account that she noticed the withdrawals that she had not made. So that led her looking at her other accounts, her credit cards, for example. She was now worried that much more information on her phone than just her savings account info maybe had been stolen. That would be unsettling. You go put some money in your checking account, savings account, and you know that, wait, a bunch of withdrawals that you didn't make. And you're thinking, how does this happen? I mean, I don't even know how quickly you would settle on identity theft as the, as, as the culprit here. Well, at any rate, this is something that is happening, and you need to protect yourself. You need to protect yourself, your online identity. And there's a way to do it. It's called LifeLock. LifeLock does the best job of any company monitoring online trans. In other words, this woman would have been notified. If she were a LifeLock member and a bunch of withdrawals from her savings account had taken place, she would have been alerted and asked if she was the one doing it. She would, of course, said no. And LifeLock would have moved in there and they'd tried to stop it, shut it down, and identify who was doing it. If, if you have become a victim of identity theft, then LifeLock is your solution. They've got a restoration team that will assign a person dedicated to helping you restore your good name and fix whatever went wrong, and they won't stop until they do. Sign up today, LifeLock.com. It's very easy. LifeLock.com and use my name. Use the name Rush, and you'll get 25% off the uh, regular stand-up everyday price. LifeLock.com and the offer code is Rush. Mark Stein on America's number one radio show, the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Let's go to Diane in Salt Lake City. What's what's on your mind today, Diane? Great to have you with us on the show. 
Well, uh, thank you, Mark. And uh, my first comment is I miss Uyghur Wednesdays. That was always a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we basically had, we jumped the gun and had a little bit of a Uyghur Tuesday. Uh, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel sorry for those Uyghurs. Uh, they're Chinese Muslims who are in concentration camps and being subjected to hideous experiments, while we all pretend that China is just a normal economic power uh, like uh, Germany or France or whatever. It's not. It's, it's uh, a country run by an absolutely evil government. Thank you. Uh, thank you for mentioning that, Diane. Okay. Well, my comment was that uh, the BLM movement, which is supposedly, you know, trying to be against uh, racism uh, against blacks, I think is actually creating more racism uh, because, you know, Americans, white, Hispanic, Asian Americans are seeing the BLM thugs uh, riot and loot and burn and attack. And uh, I think the average American is wondering what the hell's wrong with black Americans? What's what's wrong with black culture? You know, for years, uh, blacks made great gains and we were all told we're all Americans, we're all alike, there's no colors. And now we're looking at this, and, you know, I think a lot of people are going to start to think, uh, you know, maybe they're not like us. You know, what, what's wrong with them? Um, Asians well, well no, you, just, to, just to pick up on that, Diane, there were some absolutely horrible scenes on the Internet, like the, uh, the, the video of the 98-year-old lady walking down with a walker down the street in uh, New York City in, in Manhattan, and this guy just passes her and punches her, and she falls back and hits her head on a hydrant, and he walks on as if it's just a joke. And the and the horrible thing is, you know, no, nothing can be said about that in public. Uh, everybody is just supposed to internalize their feelings about it. And as you said, Diane, that's not going to do anything for anti-racism, those kind of videos. People don't talk about the black on white crime. It's just sort of accepted or, you know, that poor 98-year-old lady deserved it because she's white. But, uh, you know, I don't think this is not going to do blacks any good in the least. And I I think it's just creating racists out there who were never even thought of being racist before. Well, the trouble is now uh, everybody is racist. When When the phrase master bedroom is racist... Uh, it means there's nothing that isn't racist. And 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 we've gone on now from something where racism is actions. It required you to be a slave owner or to discriminate against people. And now racism is just who you are because you're white. That's the number one book in the country. White fragility, an unreadable piece of tripe and codswallop, but which basically its basic theme is that this is original sin. You're white. There's no way you cannot be racist. And once you put it like that, then actually you are, as you said, Diane, just going to be looking at a lot more uh, racism in the future. This is not a good place for any society to be. Thank you very much for your call, Diane. We will take more of your calls straight ahead on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network, America's number one radio show for three decades. Uh, Lots of... uh, Lots of interesting observations by Joe Biden uh, on his vice presidential search. He says there are a number of women of color. There are Latino women. There are Asian. There are across the board. He's got binders full of women of color. He's also, as you know, the president has called into question 
uh, his uh, cognitive abilities. And he was actually asked, have you been tested for some degree of cognitive decline? I'm constantly tested, said Biden. Look, all you have to do is watch me. And he has uh, actually uh, called into question the president's cognitive abilities. The president talks about cognitive capability, but he is not cognitively aware of what's going on. If he was cognitively aware, says Biden, he would have known about the intelligence about Russia supposedly paying... (laughs) I can't... This is such a stupid story. Paying Afghans to kill Americans. Uh, you know, as uh, as I said, that's that's one thing you don't actually have to spend a lot of money on. And anyway, Russia's... Russia's but anyway, uh, Biden says that it's the president's cognitive a bit. So basically, the election is going to be a contest between who's the most brain dead this November. That is great news. Biden is out of his bunker. He's got binders full of women. Uh, let's go to Joe. Oh, one thing I want to want to mention. Uh, Russia, as you know, is out today for uh, reasons uh, he talked about yesterday. There's a great way to send a message to him. And it doesn't just have to be in text. You could send him a photograph. You could send him a cartoon. You could send him a little image. You could send him a kind of a greeting card uh, because you can upload it. Uh, to this particular portion of the RushLimbaugh.com website, and you'll see above the words the Rush Limbaugh Show, you will see a little menu bar, and I think it's the third or fourth button along, is special notes for Rush. And he really does appreciate them. The reason this show is number one is something that nobody else in radio could do. It's unique to Rush. Uh, and as I always say, I don't basically radio is 100 years old, round about exactly now. I think I mentioned the last time I was here, it was the centenary of uh, the great Australian soprano Dame Nellie Melba singing There's No Place Like Home on the radio. She was basically the first celebrity to lend her voice to this new medium of radio. 100 years, and for a third of that time, Rush Limbaugh has been the king of radio. And that's because of the special connection between you and Rush. There's nothing like it. There's no other host who has anything like the connection. There's certainly no guest host who has anything like the connection. The only reason I'm here is because Rush is here and Rush has forged that connection. It's, it's un- you can't teach it. You can go and do six years. You can throw away six-figure sums on colonialism and transgender studies. But there is nowhere on the planet where you can be taught to do what Rush does every day and has done every day for for three decades. And it's special. It's unique. uh, And he loves every one of you. You're not a great blob of amorphous millions and millions to him. You're all individual, and he loves every one of you. And you want to leave a special message for Rush, go to RushLimbaugh.com and uh, just click on that special notes for Rush. you got a funny little picture. You got a, You met him 27 years ago at some event, and you want to remind him of that snap. you got some cute little joke you think he'll... You can do all that. Special notes for Rush. 
Uh, just go to RushLimbaugh.com. Let us go to Joanne in uh, Avon, Ohio, which I guess makes Joanne an Avon lady. And very nice yeah, to uh, have I her on the... I've heard that one. Really? I expect you've heard it a lot uh, living in that uh, living in that town. All my all my jokes have been pre-tested many decades ago, Joanne. It's great to have you uh, with us. What's what's on your mind today? Well, the thing is, you know, it's like I'm a Democrat, okay, right. but I'm like a middle of the road Democrat. I this what we're seeing with the far left. This is, you know, it's almost like they've got Stockholm Stockholm syndrome. You know, because they've been indoctrinated in these schools and these colleges. And, you know, I mean, a lot of us are looking at who are we going to vote for for president? Because we can't vote for anybody who's supporting what these rioters and protesters are doing. Because we're, you know, we're afraid of, you know, what's going to happen to this country. We, a lot of us are, are just, you know, we're a quiet majority. Um, we, it, you saw it in 2016 when we didn't like Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton because they were too far left. But, right. you know, we, we have always voted Democrat, but they don't give us a decent candidate. And it's always, you know, these guys are like communists. If you remember in, um, the, the forties and fifties where that was what the term racist was today, it's like the, uh, the scarlet letter. Right. And, you know, everybody's afraid of this or like invasion of the body snatchers where, you know, they're they're pointing a finger at you. And everybody has got to get a grip. Um, these people are not interested in fixing anything that, you know, they're just interested in destroying. It's, they've been taken over by anarchists and they're not for any type of government. The, the majority of us in this country are middle of the road people. We just want to be left alone to live our lives and, you know, not be afraid in our houses anymore. Well, that's actually that, hand. that that phrase you used. We just want to be left alone. The right to be left alone is actually the most basic right in any kind of free society. And these people are saying you can never be left alone. You know, they, there's a school teacher in Vermont who lost her job not because she's pro-Black Lives Matter, but she's not pro-Black Lives Matter enough. But let me ask you a question, Joanne, because it's very interesting. Yeah. Joe Biden was supposed to be the moderate Democrat. Uh, he was supposed to be Mr. Centrist. He, he used to boast, uh, just last year, he was boasting about all the great deals he did with his segregationist Democrat chums back in the 1970s. And in the last 12 months, he's been pulled left and leftier and leftier and leftier. So, so basically, you wind up with AOC in very old and wrinkled little old white man clothing. And uh, and 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 they and Joe isn't bothered about that because Joe wants to be president. So he doesn't care how much of his past he has to throw overboard. So the question for you, Joanne, is a lot of Democrats seem quite happy to be tugged left in the way that Joe Biden is. So, you know, Uh, a lot of us are a lot of us are not going to do it because it takes, you know, it destroys everything that we hold dear and it doesn't solve any of this country's issues. It's what happened in 2016 when, you know, Hillary got the nomination and she kept having to go and appease the Bernie supporters who he should never have been allowed to run. He's a communist. He's not a Democrat, you know, Mm -hmm. and 
you know, and I'm I'm reading a story in the New York Post today about online about this Black Lives Matters, and you know, did, was the death of George Floyd uh, a terrible thing, and that police officer should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law? Absolutely, but the, you know, with the Black Lives Matters when they're coming out, they were that um, guy with the weather oven underground. He's the guy that trained them all, and the weather underground was always an anarchist group. You know, we're, there are some of us out there that are looking into these people and reading about them and finding out about them. And just like Hillary was trying to appease the Bernie supporters by going further and further and further to the left, that a lot of the people broke party lines and voted for Trump. And right. it, in this case, it may end up coming down to the lesser of two evils. Because we're looking for somebody who is going to protect us and protect our country. And it's not so much, you know, yeah, he's, he's from New York, and sometimes I wish he would stay off the Internet and that he would, you know, kind of maybe temper his words a little bit. But well, he's your typical New Yorker. And- no, no, and he's not. He He's who he is, and he's not going to change. But let me, let me ask you, the people have said, people have asked Joe Biden whether he's on board with all this toppling statues of uh, of George Washington, toppling, toppling uh, statues of Ulysses S. Grant, nothing to do with uh, Confederate generals or everything. Now, uh, the, the energy on the left is saying this country has been evil since its founding. I mean, how may... And, and Joe Biden won't actually say... He, he lacks the courage to say, oh, no, I slightly disagree with that. Can you honestly support a man who actually will not even stand up against the disowning of his entire national history, Joanne? No, I can't. And no, I won't, because erasing history isn't going to change it. And there's nothing that they can do. I mean, it doesn't change anything. And they're judging everything today, you know, that happened back then by today's standards. And, you know, it's... You know the old saying, when you point your finger at somebody, you better look at the three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> and- okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's very... That's very true. Uh, that's very true, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. That's Joanne in Avon, Ohio, a moderate Democrat uh, who's resisting the leftward tug uh, that Joe Biden has surrendered to over the last year. Mark Stein in for Rush. We got more straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush. Uh, that dread phrase, the new normal. I miss the old normal. Uh, Joe Biden is on board with mandatory masks nationwide. I mean, this is like uh, this is like wacky stuff. Even before you add in all the Black Lives Matter, uh, he's thinking of making mask wearing mandatory coast to coast. Uh, there's a poll. Uh, this was taken for the publication Quillette. Which is fairly recent. I uh, got a friend, a couple of friends who are uh, on it. But it's basically a poll of American liberals on what they call cultural deconstruction. You know that uh, thing about the uh, say does that Star Spangled Banner still wave? That that song uh, they used to sing on July the fourth, back when there was a July the fourth. Seventy-one um, percent of American liberals are in favor of dumping that national anthem and get a, getting a new one. Seventy percent of American liberals want a new constitution. Um, 
what's this? Mount Rushmore, 44% of American liberals want Mount Rushmore destroyed. 36% want towns renamed. 32% of American liberals want a flag changed. 33% of American liberals want the name of the country changed. United States of America, like what's up with that? And I'm looking at these things. These are all significant numbers. People who hate the national anthem, hate the flag, hate the Constitution. Uh, It has no purchase on them, means nothing to them. Uh, People who'd like the country to to get a new name. Uh, And here's the final one, the lowest one. And I got to wonder whether the guy put this in just as a joke. Uh, These American liberals are then asked whether they would like a new language, because after all, these demands to trash the flag, trash the anthem, change the name of the country, trash the Constitution, they're making all these demands in the English language, which is the language of racists and colonialists and oppressors. So the final question is, would you like a new language? It would be constructed out of the language of uh, indigenous peoples and minority ethnic groups. So they would create a new language from different bits of indigenous languages, uh, from the Algonquin people uh, and maybe from the Inuit for those in Alaska, and they would have some elements of uh, Inca languages for all those people coming across the Rio Grande, and they would get a potpourri and they would of all these languages and they would create a new language for a diverse, vibrant, multicultural society. And after the 71% of people who want to trash the anthem, 70% of people who want to trash the Constitution, only 15% of American liberals want a new language. You know why? Because that's the only thing in this list that, in, uh, that requires them to get off their flabby butts and actually do anything. So they'd have to learn a new language composed of the languages of indigenous... Oh, the flag? Yeah, yeah, let's get rid of the flag. That's, uh, that's little effort on my part. Uh, the Constitution? Garbage. Put in the garbage. We can write a new one. Doesn't need it. Name of the country? Yeah, call it. Uh, let's call it the United States of Black Lives Materia. That's a much better name. That uh, requires nothing from them. But actually losing the language... You know, giving up it, wouldn't it be great to give up English? It's the language of racists and oppressors and slave owners and colonialists and imperialists. Don't you feel dirty just letting three or four words of English bubble up in your gullet? Wouldn't you like to uh, learn a new language based on the language of indigenous? Oh, no, that all sounds like a bit of hard work to me. It's phony. It's a phony, bad-faith revolution made by the laziest, most narcissistic, most solipsistic, most navel-gazing generation in history that can only destroy, that can't actually create, that can't uh, negotiate the currents of history and manage to forge anything new and lasting. And so, yeah, trash the flag, trash the Constitution, change the name of the country. But, hey, man, no, I don't want to... I don't want to learn a new language. I like just want to. I've been had a tiring night out looting, and I'd just like to lie on the floor and listen to my hair grow for a couple of hours. These are nothing people, and this is a nothing revolution. Mark Stein, we will close it out in just a moment. Mark Stein in for Rush. A man has broken the world record for getting hit by wet sponges. No, it's not uh, Joe Biden being given that. Uh, 
wet bath by at his so-called press conference. This is David Rush, a 35-year-old Idahoan who crushed the record by receiving 92 wet sponges in the face. Uh, it's the best thing you can do with the COVID. It cures up the COVID in uh, nothing flat. Uh, I've had a fun three hours. My thanks to Mike and Keith in New York. Don't forget the Rush Limbaugh Show returns tomorrow for, what is it, the uh, Canada Day uh, three-hour special? I think we got that scheduled for tomorrow. See you then. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.